Notas Zoom Jonathan Blade Welcome to my podcast. So, today's topic is something that is a little bit different than the other things that I usually talk about on the show. Not that it's not popular media, because it is popular media. It's more about how engaged I was into this thing uh, to a ridiculous level. Like, I have been a video gamer for most of my life. Not in the modern gamer fashion, where most of what I do is multiplayer, most of how I engage is multiplayer. I like the campaigns. I'm an introvert, and I enjoy the escapism that comes with going into these worlds. And so with that said, Elden Ring is a whole different level of that kind of escapist engagement. So there are many times that I've said, probably on this podcast as well, that I reached the zenith of my game experience, my gamer experience in 2013, and I thought that was the end of it. I didn't stop playing video games, but I thought that all the experiences had been had and there was nothing new under the sun. In 2013, I played not only the magnificent game The Last of Us, which is probably the best example of traditional narrative presented in video game fashion still, I played... Bioshock Infinite, and I played Tomb Raider, which as a gameplay experience, Tomb Raider perfected the formula presented by the Arkham games, which uh, has skill trees and action-adventure presented in a very specific way, where you open up the world and can access most of the world as you go uh, on about your business, moving back to various parts of the world at your leisure kind of a quasi-open-world experience. I really enjoy that kind of gameplay, and that's what most third-person action is at this point in time. Even something like Elden Ring's predecessor, Dark Souls, is that kind of game, really. Now, the nature of the skill trees may vary from game to game, and what can be and can't be upgraded, your stats and weapons and such may vary from game to game, but that's modern third-person action-adventure. And so I thought it was a solved equation. Now, with that said, I've never played any of the Grand Theft Auto games. True open world. I've played true open world games, but I think that something like Grand Theft Auto or even Red Dead Redemption is closer to the experience that an Elden Ring offers, and I have not played those. But that's Elden Ring. It's the Dark Souls formula, so very precise, reflex-based action-adventure, fantasy action-adventure gameplay. Rock hard but perfected. So I've played Bloodborne, which is directly from From Software, the developers of Elden Ring and the Dark Souls games, and Bloodborne is that kind of game. It is highly reflex-based, and it's more about speed, action, reflex gameplay, and the gothic aesthetic than anything else. It's beautiful, but it's rock-hard, and most of the time, unless you are really into that kind of gameplay, I wouldn't call it fun. Elden Ring is fun, it can be rock hard because it's a FromSoft game, and it can be about those reflex, about that reflex action-based gameplay, but you don't have to play it like that. You can play it any way that appeals to you, and the outcome of that kind of game is that I have spent more time with Elden Ring in the few months that I've been playing it than I probably have with any game ever. So I've been playing Street Fighter for 30 years, probably 
but yeah, 30 years, and I've spent more time with Elden Ring than I have for, with, like, Street Fighter. More time with Elden Ring than I have with, say, Streets of Rage 2, uh, a fun little action game that I go to from time to time just as uh, it's my distraction game. I have it on all the mobile devices I've ever had. I'll play through the first level and then go about my business. More time than that. More time than Pac-Man or Tetris or any mobile distraction game on my phone. Elden Ring is the one. So in my campaign, and I've never played a game that was this involved before, in just the first playthrough of the campaign, following the storyline, wanting to have the game finished, and and then realizing that there's probably twice as much game left as I've played, and then getting farther in the game, and realizing that there is probably a third as much left of hidden areas that are entire levels or entire worlds within the game that I haven't visited. So referring to online uh, media to try to get to, to those and experiencing those new and exciting areas. Looking for weapons, ways to get further in the game, and then exploring dungeons that I haven't gone to. So I explored so much of the game by endgame, and I still haven't seen everything. I haven't collected everything. I don't know where most of the stuff in the game is. There are puzzles to be solved that I didn't solve. I don't think any of them in the game. There's so much gameplay here that I haven't experienced. That is one of the beauties of Elden Ring. And the thing about Elden Ring is it's so much more than any one thing. It's expansive and engaging and addicting. So by endgame, my character level was 149, I believe, which is par for the course around. I think most players go maybe a little bit higher, but I had played... I don't know what the average playthrough is. I know it's a lot shorter than this, but I had played over 230 hours of Elden Ring to get to where I was in the game. 200 and 30 hours. And I was satisfied the entire time. Even when I got stuck, I found the gameplay satisfying. I'd get stuck someplace, and I'd just go explore more of the game, or go to areas that I had not explored fully, even though I had been in them. And there are no in-game markers for a lot of these things, so you have to provide markers. So there are places I'd go to, and I'd be like, I didn't even know I didn't finish this place. It's that kind of experience. Emergent gameplay uniquely, there is a narrative, but the narrative is couched in lore. It's not specifically fed to you in a traditional linear narrative fashion, in a cinematic narrative fashion. So something like The Last of Us, which is probably the greatest representation of telling a traditional story in the video game format, and it does it so well. Elden Ring tells a story in a video game format. You take it on as you see fit, And you kind of provide the interstitial details for that story. It's lore-based. People tell you things about the world. People engage you and say, hey, I'll see you later. Maybe you will, maybe you won't, because they don't tell you where they're going to be. They just kind of pop up in the world as you go through your game. It's a really unique way to engage. It's how Dark Souls, how FromSoft does their gameplay. Because they want you to focus more on the gameplay, because all of the game is action. It's like a traditional Japanese role-playing game. Over the course of time, all those elements that used to be representational or elements that you create with your imagination are now real. And the story itself is now real, but also something that you create with your imagination. People give you bits and bobs, and there is a path through the game, but the explicit details of the story are left very vague. 
The character only knows as much as the character knows, and people with godlike knowledge are not gifting the the extent of that knowledge to you. So you have to fill in the details, and there's so much of it. There's so much story. There's an entire industry on YouTube created around filling in the details of FromSoft, from Software's uh, stories in their games because they're all lore based. It's people giving you bits of information, you gleaning bits of information that are shared in environmental details, or gleaning bits of information that are shared on Stele throughout the game. You put the story together, and that's fine because it all informs the gameplay once again. And there's so many things to do, so many things to see. And the thing about Elden Ring is traditionally from soft games are about getting good. You can't make your way through the games without actually getting good. There's no way around it. You have to learn the perfect timing for these boss encounters, the perfect role, what the timing is for parry, or when to block, how much stamina it will take to be hit uh, inside of a block with a given weapon or a given shield. Elden Ring has that, and if you want to play through the game like that, you can, but evidently, from my understanding, the timing is a little bit looser. It's not quite as tight as it is in the Dark Souls games. But there are a million other ways to play. For instance, in my playthrough, through a lot of my playthrough, I was an archer. My starting class was a samurai, so it was based on dexterity. They don't say this, but dexterity basically means that you want to get a lot of hits in quickly. It's a bleed-focused build, too, so with your hits, you're using slashing weapons trying to make characters bleed, which is a status that affects the amount of damage they take. Bleed-focused, lots of hits, but also, uh, because it's a samurai, I start with a uh, bow and arrow. And the bow and arrow allowed me to go through the game a bunch of places that I would not have been able to get through otherwise unless I got good. Which I didn't. I didn't get good. Basically, not bosses, but there are characters out in the world. Uh, giant trolls and golems. <laughs> there are giant dogs with like, rat bodies and huge dog heads. All kinds of, like, mid-level characters in the game. And if they're on the open map, they are bound to an area. It's an invisible boundary, but it's a boundary. So if you find that boundary, uh, you can use your arrows to slowly chip away at them until they die. Could take a half an hour. Where are you going? You have time. So I got through a lot of the game that way. And then as I got stronger and... Uh, really figured out how to capitalize on having a bleed build, I focused on bleed. Or I focused on fire. So I was a bleed build, basically a dexterity build focused on bleed for most of the game. I got to the end game. You can't finish the game that way because the end bosses are not susceptible to bleed. So some weapons that I had developed earlier on in the game, hard-hitting fire-based weapons, basically the Great Star, with various fire, ashes of war, ashes of war, like add-ons for the weapon that allow them to do special status things or make you stronger. Uh, in my case, there was a very, not rare and not hard to find, but uh, random Ash of War called Flame of the Red Mains that does stagger damage. And I equipped my Great Star, a crushing weapon, with Flame of the Red Mains to do stagger. And I used that to take out the first half of the boss encounter. And then for the second half of the boss encounter, I did find an Ash of War that's very difficult to find called Rain of Arrows, and I use that to beat the Elden Beast. You just shoot your arrow in the air, and it comes down in an arc with, what, like seven arrows for every one arrow you shoot on top of the boss. So if you're doing something like trying to uh, 
proc a status effect, which does not affect the Elden Beast that you kept trying to do it with with um, Scarlet Rot, which is a uh, status effect that's like super poison, because I saw somebody do it in a video. I guess they probably changed that with a patch because it does not work that way anymore, but it still does loads of damage, and you don't have to be right up against the boss taking damage from... The, the Elden Beast has like 16 different kinds of hits that it can do on you. And I use that to beat the game. That wasn't how I played through the game, but I chose to do something completely different to end the game. And because options are what the game is all about, I never got good. I never got good. I never really learned the timing of the patterns of the bosses or even the characters in the world that well. I just found the right combination of weapons and found the way that I want to play because the game gives you that option to find the way that you'd like to play. I played through a lot of the game with Rivers of Blood equipped, which is a katana that um, that hardcore players hate because in PvP you can spam the um, the Ash of War. It does a lot of damage. It hits for a much larger distance than the actual length of the blade of the sword, and it doesn't take a lot of basically FP, which is focus points. It's like your magic stamina, basically, and so you can use it over and over again. So I made it through a lot of the game with Rivers of Blood. They hate that for PvP, and for some reason they hate that for PvE, but it's just an option. And it's an option I couldn't finish the game with because the bosses were not susceptible to bleed. But it was awesome. It was awesome that the game allows you to play the way that you want. Another thing the game gives you is uh, summons. So all the FromSoft games have summons at uh, the boss points. If you meet certain people or do certain things, sometimes right outside the boss encounter you'll find a point where you can summon somebody to help you fight the boss but in elden ring the spirit ashes are summons that you carry with you and if you make it to an area that has like a little uh, icon on the ground then you know that you can use your spirit ash in that area mostly bosses but also some areas that are just harder you can summon your spirit ashes and some of these spirit ashes are incredibly strong and some of them can, can solo the bosses, but their real purpose is to distract the boss so that you can take time from your encounter to heal or apply a, a status buff to make you stronger or to make you um, more able to proc status effect on the boss. Incredible. So many ways to play the game. And I, I haven't even mentioned how beautiful the world is because most of the game, most of the appeal of the game, is actually just exploring the world, is opening the map. Early on, you get a goat horse, a magic goat horse thing that you ride on, so you can explore this gigantic world. And it keeps opening. It keeps opening throughout the entire game. There are times where it's like, man, I think I've, I've, I've explored the entire world, and I'd look online, and there were entire levels, not like dungeons, or like entire areas world areas that I had yet to discover, that I hadn't explored yet. And it was so engaging. So if you're a first-time open-world game player, if you played Grand Theft Auto 3 back in the day, the first big open-world game, the first uh, commercially popular open-world game, and you went through this game, and I think that Grand Theft Auto 3 has a basic story, but it's not about the story. It's just about making your way through the game, doing whatever you feel like doing while you're playing the game. That kind of game took off because it was huge, and the Grand Theft Autos have been benchmarks for how good open-world gameplay can be at any given point in time over the course of time that it's it's existed. But in all that time, nobody quite successfully did that kind of open-world uh, like Elden Ring does in a uh, medieval fantasy setting to the level that Elden Ring does. 
it's huge, and it's not tying itself to a traditional narrative. It tells a story, but not in a traditional way, in a video game way, in a way that feels fresh, that feels unique, that feels like something you may have never experienced before. And it's beautiful, and the world is cohesive and contiguous. You can look over there, miles away. There's a castle. You haven't been there yet. You can't see how to get there, but you can get there. Oh, there's a valley. And as far as you go in the lands that you're in, you can't find the entrance to that valley. But rest assured, there is an entrance to that valley that will get you to this castle that is at the far end of the valley that you can't figure out how to get to. There is a way. It's amazing. And I played it on the PS4. I didn't play it on the PS5 or the PC. But FromSoft, their technology is is pretty well solved. It works really well on the PS4. It runs well enough. Uh, it does have uh, PFC issue where it kind of screen door affects things into the frame when there are too many things on screen or things are far away as opposed to fading them in uh, on the alpha channel. Uh, it also does this thing where if there are a lot of things in frame, the things that are uh, farther away in the frame, it'll lower the frame rate on individual objects, which I knew was a thing, but I don't think I'd ever seen in action before. So if you have a cluster of enemies that is, say, half a football field away and they're doing something but you haven't engaged them yet those enemies will run at 20 frames per second while the rest of the game is running at 30 frames per second it's really interesting it's it's really nifty technology but the end result is that they can have a, a huge lush world that is beautiful it's beautifully designed the architecture is beautiful the character models models are beautiful and they're not entirely different from anything that you would see in Dark Souls. They just are a little bit more detailed. They probably have a few more texture layers as far as uh, bump mapping or normal I guess it's normal mapping now as far as normal mapping or parallax mapping goes. Maybe a little bit more complex lighting, but it's beautiful. The music is beautiful. So my understanding is the music is not quite to the level of other FromWare or from software games. But I enjoyed it. There are overworld themes and boss themes and dungeon themes and maybe 20 to 30 themes that are repeated throughout the uh, the, the game. But there's never a point in time where I'm like, oh, I hate this. I'm tired of hearing this one song. No, I'm enjoying it the entire time. I can't think of an area where the music played where I was like, man, I, this. let me get out of this area because this theme song is irritating. But just so many modes to do what you would like. I think one gameplay option that I didn't cover, and it's RPG stuff. So it's action RPG. Modern action RPG is being able to physically do the things that old RPGs used to just represent with an icon or that didn't take place in real time but were turn-based. All of those things, if you can imagine doing it, you can probably do it. You can equip it, and it has its own model, for every weapon, every piece of armor, every charm, talismans, uh, every enemy in the game is represented in real time. And that is something that is what we've been working towards in gaming for a long time. More things over the course of time have been able to be represented on screen in real time. And it's about immersion. You exist in this world because of it. Like the old... Japanese-style RPGs uh, where you explore the world, but you have to imagine what a lot of that experience is because most of it was representational, represented by icons or uh, pretty pictures. 
I didn't enjoy that so much. Like, I played through a few of them, but they were boring. Turn-based gameplay is boring to me. ADHD, or I'm not hyperactive, ADD, and I can't focus on something like that time after time. Uh, what it what it means to be ADD is that you can focus on something like that in one long sitting, but once you stop, you'll never come back to it. But because the gameplay of something like Elden Ring is so immediate, when you jump back in, there's no refraction time where you're like, oh, I, this is boring and I have to learn how to play this again. You are in the action immediately, so you are engaged immediately. And I almost can't say enough good things about the Elden Ring experience. There's almost nothing that I didn't like. Having played games since I was very young, and I'm very old now, uh, the first game system I ever played on was the Atari 2600, so I've been playing games for a long time. Nothing has gotten my attention in the way that Elden Ring has gotten my attention. I cannot celebrate this experience enough. There's a whole underground world in the game. There are... God... I can't explain how expansive this experience is. There's so much new around every corner. There's so much to open up. I shared a lot of it uh, in real time as well on Twitter, which was a new portion of the gameplay experience for me. I don't do Twitch. I don't do multiplayer either. Uh, my reflexes are not great. They never have been. I'm, I'm kind of a uh, sit back and ruminate about things. Uh, so anything that's reflexive as far as action gameplay, I've never been great at any multiplayer game. I've been almost good at some fighting games at points in time. I'm not good at any of them now. So multiplayer is not my jam, but this single-player experience and sharing it in real time has been something new for me, and it's just added to the enjoyment of the game. So I don't think I have anything bad to say about Elden Ring. Like, I guess this is not really a review. I'm sharing my joy with you, and in that joy, I don't have anything bad to say about that game. The PS4 experience was not optimal, but it was great for me. Just fantastic. If I'd had the PS5 experience and then gone down to the PS4 experience, I might be like, ugh. But it looks as good as anything like it that I've played on the system. So, not uh, Wonderful. And I think that's most of what I have to say. I'm excited to see what FromSoft does next. Like, the kind of emergent gameplay that comes from this kind of open world where you can go anywhere and do almost anything is ripe for development. And whatever DLC they come out with, I will get. Unless it's something multiplayer focused, and then not so much. I still haven't been online. I've been offline. My profile's been offline the entire time I've played through the game. Now that I've finished it and I'm doing New Game Plus, I may jump online to see if anybody wants to do some co-op with me. I don't have any interest in PvE. I don't want to fight anybody, because I'll die horribly, and that may affect my enjoyment of the game. So yeah, I think that's it. Uh, play Elden Ring. It's going to be Game of the Year. No doubt. No doubt it's going to be Game of the Year. It's Game of the Year for most outlets at this point. It's the biggest selling game this year, I believe, which is unique for a single-player experience. Like, it has multiplayer portions. You can do PvE, player versus enemy, uh, in a very limited fashion. Uh, they've, I think with the last few patches, they've really released true co-op, so you can play through a lot of the game co-op. But it's mostly a single-player experience, and it excels at that in a way that maybe nothing before it ever has. So, highest recommendation. Not like highest recommendation this year, or highest recommendation this decade, or highest recommendation in the single-player arena, or in the action-adventure or adventure arena. Highest recommendation uh, as a gaming experience across the all-time of gaming experiences, you should play Elden Ring. If you enjoy gaming, if you enjoy getting lost in the adventure, Elden Ring. 
Yeah, I think that's enough. I think we've celebrated the game enough. So if you'd like to talk to me about Elden Ring, uh, you can always hit me up on Twitter, janky old broke hobo Spider-Man at Jonathan Blade. You can also find me on another podcast called Smack My Pitch Up that I co-host with Mike the Hobbit Bicket on the Geeks Under the Influence podcast network, GUI. Uh, it's a fan casting show, but it's also so much more. We do fully developed pitches, alternate pitches for popular movies. Two commercial pitches from each host, two swing for the fences pitches from each host, and then we do fun little trailers at the end of each episode. It's a good time, and you should listen. I think that's it. As always, I will catch you in the next episode, and thanks for listening. <laughs>